Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. And I'm Emily Van Vutt. And we're back after another two weeks. Lots of games to talk about today. We've actually been getting quite a bit of uh, new stuff to the table. Shocker. Brad went a little crazy on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, Black Friday, I'd say I was pretty good. So, for say for Cyber Monday, we, we, we'll we talk about some good deals Dude, that we got. you brought home, like, what? Six four, new games? Four. So, mm-hmm. sub $100. Like I said, we'll talk about a few of those. Um, later on the show, we'll recap how we did for November with our Get It to the Table segment and uh, pick our games for December. And then at the end of the show, um, we're going to do a full review of La Havre um, for, from Uwe Rosenberg. So look forward to that. Um, but in the meantime, just a reminder of where you can find us. We uh, You can find us online uh, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Tabletop for Two for all those. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, and soon to be um, Google Play Music. Uh, once they get their podcast app up and running, once they get their crap together, well, there it's it's in the it's in the submission stage right now. Mm-hmm. They haven't rolled it out yet, so. But let's get right into what we have been playing recently. Uh, first up is Burgle Bros. Yeah, we got a few Kickstarters in uh, in the past couple of weeks that we've been wanting to get to the table. And this is the guy who did Paperback. Yes, correct? Tim Fowers. Correct. Yeah, this one's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, this is um this is a cooperative game um that have you as like a um. Your cat burglars. Sure. Yeah, and and each there's several different characters in the game, and each of them have a unique ability. And it takes place over, like, you set up the cards in three different floors, and mm-hmm. there's a cop on each floor. Yeah, it's supposed to be a bank. There's a there's a, a security guard on each floor, and there's a safe on each floor. And the what you're trying to do is you're trying to break into each safe and take the loot and then escape um, through the roof, basically. And as, as you go through the different rooms, there are several different types of rooms. Um, some of them have alarms associated with them. Some of them have challenges that you have to bypass. Um, some of them will interact with the with the floor. Like there's an atrium that when you first stumble into it, you f- actually fall to the floor below. Um, so very cool stuff. Like I said, there's lots of characters in the game. There's advanced versions of these characters. Um, it's a game that encourages you to use all of the actions because every turn you have four actions that you can allot. Um, mm-hmm. If you and if you use less than two of them, um, you have to draw an event card, which has a unpredictable effect. Most Typically, of them are not good, as we found. Yeah, some of them are really bad. Um, so you try to want to want to try to avoid those, but you also have to you know avoid detection by the guards because the guards have um, patrol routes that will be randomized. Basically, there's a card that you'll draw that will show the their destination. They take the shortest path to get there, and then once they've reached their destination, they draw a new card. So you have to be cognizant of where they're going to be going each round as well. Um, you know, and also try to use them to your advantage because since you know where they're going to go, um, you can try to, you know, set them up to lead them astray, that kind of thing. You can trigger alarms to divert their attention, you know, things of that nature. So this one was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, lots to do in this box because there's, you know, because of the way there's the tiles are laid out in there for such a tiny box. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, with the ways the different tiles can be laid out, there's a lot of variability there with the different combinations of characters that you can use, the different event cards, plus the loot also um, is a turn because as you acquire the loot, um, you have to carry it with you, and there's usually some sort of penalty mm-hmm. that's associated with each one of those. So, but uh, I I found this one really interesting. It was um it's pretty fun. It's different than 
than most things we have. Mm-hmm. Although I did get a little bit of the uh, forbidden desert, forbidden island kind of thing because remember how like those you have to reveal the yeah. cards to find out where the different pieces are. Right, right. Actually, in this one, yeah, they kind of have to reveal the cards to find out the combination to the safe. Yeah, it's a similar, actually, a very similar mechanic because mm-hmm. um, yeah, you have to, like when you find the safe, you have to also reveal the rooms that are in the same row and column, and you have to roll dice to to try and crack it open. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, this was one that I was very happy to back uh, and very happy to have it now. Um, so that's Burgle Brothers. Check it out. Um, it, it looks like a pretty good, pretty good cooperative game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got Bottom of the Ninth in recently. This is from Dice Hate Me Games. Um, very cool little short baseball simulation game. Um, essentially, one player is the batting team, one player is the pitching team. It's a tie game, and it's the bottom of the ninth. So the batting team's trying to score a run. Uh, the pitching team's trying to get three outs before that happens to send the game into extra innings. Um, In case y'all didn't know, we're big baseball fans. Our wedding was Orioles-themed, yes. as we are from Baltimore. So <laughs> Yes, and um, it was a, it's, it's, so it's a very cool, well-designed game. The art's really good on it, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I did notice that the uh, the I, flavor text on some of those cards is hilarious. Right, so the hilarious. so the there's lots of different players in the game. So the base game comes with um, I want to say it's like eight or nine hitters, and then um, a collection of pitchers as well. But since we backed it on Kickstarter, um, we also got the expansion packs and the promo cards that they were releasing with it as well. So. We have a huge amount of batters now and a huge amount of pitchers, and there's also another expansion that has people from Sentinels in the Multiverse. But a lot of the and char- we have Bloodle the Noodle. Yep, promo card there. <laughs> but a lot of the characters in the game are based off of real life people. Like there's a card for, you know, Chris Kirkman, and there's a card for Rodney Smith of Watch It Played, and there's a card for Daryl Louder and Mike Mullins, the designers, and TC Petty, and mm-hmm. you know a lot a lot of people that we're oh, familiar Rossett. with. Yeah, Ben Rossett's that, in there as well. His had the best text, I swear. <laughs> Tiffany B from the League of Nonsensical Gamers has a card as well. Uh-huh. So it's um it's so a lot of people that we're familiar with. Um and every batter and pitcher also has a special ability. So essentially, um there's a lot of bluffing going on because each player has these two um, location tokens. One of them is high and low, and then the other one is inside or away. And each player secretly chooses what they think their opponent is going to pick. Um, the pitcher's trying to fool the batter. The batter's trying to correctly predict what the pitcher's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for each one that the batter gets right, or for each one that the batter gets wrong, the pitcher gets a bonus. Um, there's bonuses, like special abilities on the back of your on the back of your card. Um, mm-hmm. They might let you modify your die rolls in certain ways. Um, pitchers also have like a special pitch that is, you know, grants them a super powerful ability. Then the pitcher rolls his dice um, to determine where the pitch is going. And if it's a ball or a strike. Right, or, or if, if it paints the, the corner. corner right. Yeah. And then the batter rolls his dice to determine whether or not he takes a swing at it. And if he does swing, if he hits it or not. Mm-hmm. And um, if you put the ball into play... Uh, there's a little real-time mini game where each player picks up their dice and starts rolling, and the first player to get a five or six, if it's the batter, he's safe. If it's the pitcher, he's out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then you just go through the game. Um, batter has a if if they roll a natural six on their swing, um, they crush the ball, which gives them the chance to roll to hit a home run or possibly an extra base hit, which is useful as well. Um, and that's that's pretty much the gameplay. You go through. Um, 
The pitcher will get fatigued if you use his specialty mm-hmm. locations, which helps. And you can only recover that in between batters. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. I I quite enjoyed this. I was the pitcher. Brad was the batter. Mm. And after so many years together, this one knows me way too well because he just was predicting everything right as I was doing. I'm like, you know what? I said, cut me a break here. Hey, you still end up winning. We actually, uh, it came down to bases loaded. Uh, and two strikes. Did I? I thought you won. Oh no, I. You won. Oh, I did win. Yes. I thought. Okay, I that's right. I, I did win. It still came down to the bases loaded yeah, with as, the last as, batter. As terribly as I was two doing strikes, and yeah. trying to uh, get him to guess, you know, incorrectly, I I really held in there. I really enjoy like the, the other thing that I enjoy the most about the game is the, all the aesthetic touches. The 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 cards actually look like nineteen eighties. Era baseball like cards, baseball cards, yeah, yeah, with the with the colored, um, you know, nice front, but the rough cardboard back mm-hmm. and the the you know dual colored back of the cards. Um, each pack of cards also has a quote unquote stick of gum um, that ends up. It's it's actually it's that that was the ball strike counter that was in there. If you flip it over, it looks like a stick of petrified oh, okay, gum, okay. like uh, like all <laughs> baseball card packs had back in I the day. I ate a piece of that gum on a dare once. Yep. Um, it did not end well. No, it never it did taste good. Um, Mike Mullins being a Red Sox fan, I don't think I didn't notice that the baseball uh, board was laid out very similarly to Fenway Park. Uh, that was very obvious. So um, I liked I, all the little flair touches. With I enjoyed it. all like the names of the teams and everything. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what was my peacher? What my peacher? My pitcher? <laughs> my pitcher? <laughs> my pitcher? My first pitcher was. Um, Beaver Cleaver of the Baltimore, or no, Beaver something from the Baltimore Cleavers, and I was like, "Good lord!" Mm. <laughs> like it was, it was just great. It was yeah, fantastic. the team, the team names are uh, are based uh, around the characters that they are as well. What so. Was the the Rouge Pants or something? yeah, Stephanie Straws was was the Rouge Pants Rogues, I think yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> um, so very very clever. Like I said, Dice Hate Me games typically have a lot of those in jokes, um, with the stuff that they put out. Uh, so this was good. Um, I like this one a lot. Now they have variable rules to do like a long game. Like you could play a full nine innings if you want to. I don't know. I don't think if you want to do full that. nine innings. I kind of like the. Yeah, I kind of like that. It's like a one-off thing. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a pretty long game. Um, and we and we kind of have pizza box baseball, which if you're going to play nine innings, probably does that a little bit better. Um, even though it's much more of a simulated experience than uh-huh. it is than bottom of the ninth is, um, but still very much enjoyed this game. Um, you know, I'll definitely enjoy experimenting with different lineups, um, different pitchers, stuff like that. I'm interested to try the other side. Right? Yeah, it's a, and, and it's pretty fun. Uh, the only quibble, um, the die rolling. If if you don't like real time die rolling, you might not like the little base hit mini game. Um, but that being said, there's some variants out there that you can use to. Uh, to take away the real time aspect a little bit, um, but bottom of the ninth, solid choice. Um, check it out if you can pick it up. I think on Cool Stuff, even it's super cheap if they have it in stock. So, yeah. and they have both the expansion packs as well, which at, when you combine everything, barely fits in the yeah, box. Yeah, this one's trying to stuff everything in the box. The other, he's like, it doesn't fit. I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't fit? They shipped it in the box. He goes, they didn't ship these in the box. Yeah, the expansion packs were outside <laughs> of the box to begin with. Though. He's like, oops. But yeah, definitely check that out if you get a chance. Good little, uh, good little filler game. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, next on the list was Luna. This is a an old Feld, correct? Mm-hmm. And they just well, re- old, old, five years old. It's, just, it's been out of print for a while. But yeah, it's been out of print. They just reprinted it, and this because this one's been looking for it for a long time for us. Because he's like, you know, our love of of Stefan Feld. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think we'll really like this. Well, um, I've also heard it's really good for two players. Like I've heard it's one of his better two player games as well. It really was though. I. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very complex game, though. A little bit um, more obtuse when you first start playing. And the rulebook, to to their credit, acknowledges it. Like the it rulebook says, even kind of tells yeah. you to start playing and it'll kind of, you'll figure it, it out as you, you go. You are not going to know what the hell you're doing the first couple rounds. Yeah. So in this one, completely accurate. <laughs> in this one, you have, um, there's a main board in the center which has a temple. Um, and then, and then, there's then there's seven islands. Yeah, there's seven islands, and each of them is tied to a specific, um, like, God's favor. Action. Basically, right? And then um, there's also a couple figures on the board. There's a master builder, uh, there's the moon priestess, and there's the apostate. And essentially, and you also, each character has a bunch of tiny meeples that are called novices that are distributed amongst the different islands. And basically what you do is you use your novices to take different actions on the board, and you do this by removing them from the island that they're on, but they still kind of stay next to it, so they're still linked to that island. Yeah. Um, so you can you can get a favor token, which gives you like a special ability that you need to do certain right. Actions. Like there's one for a temple, so that you can build temples on the other islands. Temples are good for making you spend uh, less novices to actually do the actions mm-hmm. that you and they're need worth to do. victory points at the end of yes. the game too. Um, and they count when the moon priestess, if the moon priestess is on your island, she the temples count in your favor towards yeah, uh, at the majority. End, at the end of the round, you're trying to, at the end of each round, you're trying to have the majority of figures um, on the island where the moon priestess is so you can score points. Mm-hmm. And you're trying not to have figures around the island where the apostate is because he's like the bad guy that's trying to blaspheme everybody and he makes you lose points as you go. Um and there's all sorts of, there's some area control to this game, because um, in the temple you're trying to occupy different spaces inside there, and depending on um, when you enter the temp- temple and where, you might actually be able to bounce out some of your opponents, so it's a very highly tactical game, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I suppose that's why... I wasn't expecting that, because like, you, know, you had talked about it, but that's not, not at all was I, what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, I have no idea how well we played um, because I don't know, like, what good scores are for that game. So I feel oh, yeah. like it's. I told you, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those games that you will just naturally get better at through repetition as mm-hmm. you understand the game systems a little bit better. I started to get it towards the end. I started to understand a little how things synergize together and whatnot. But. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the, it's, I mean, much much like a lot of failed games, it's one of those ones where you kind of have to be looking probably, two or three turns in the future. Probably the first five or six turns, I was just mm-hmm. going blind because I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Now, one thing I do like, too, this one has the mechanism where the round is manually advanced by your opponents because you can do as many actions as you want to, but as one of your actions, you can kind of take a rest. Which turns over one of these time tokens that are on the board, and basically once the last time token gets turned over, marks the end of the round. So you as the opponent can kind of force 
you can force your opponent into a tough situation if you know that they're trying to go for a specific thing um, by ending the round prematurely before they're ready to do it. So the players have a lot of pretty much entire control over what happens in the game because once past the initial setup, um, there really isn't any randomness in the game at all like everything you can you you know where the you're other in, figures are going to go control yeah yeah so there's no way to really um blame you know like any sort of luck or anything like that in the game it's completely up to the players so this one was a little bit tougher um i'd say of all the felds that we've played um this and aquasphere were probably the two most confusing mm-hmm. um, when we started playing them uh, but it's one that i'm looking forward to getting back to the table again soon um to kind of explore it a little bit more and see and see what else it has to offer so that's luna um i'm always down for more feld yeah well we we also got notre dame notre dame recently in the uh in a math trade so we're gonna have to try that one soon as well that's been another i want some trajan action here soon yeah i was thinking about that too i wonder if that's going to be on your list later we'll see we'll see i don't know um so we played a couple lighter games too that we've that one which we've had for a little while and one which we just got. Um This one in fairness you just threw into a an order to get over the hump. Yeah, it's a busted over free shipping. Um this is the Little Prince Rising to the Stars. Um it's a tie-in board game based off of the Little Prince movie that I think recently released, but what drew me to it um is that it's co-designed by Antoine Balza and Bruno Catalo, which are two designers that we really like quite a bit. Um, but this definitely is like a children's game um, with children's game <laughs> mechanics attached to it, basically. I look forward to when Xander gets about probably five, six, something like that, and mm-hmm. he can play this, because I think he'll really like it. Yeah. Yeah, the the gameplay in this one, um, you have this like track of clouds, basically, that you can travel your little airplane along, and you have a hand of cards to start the game with, and each of the cards has, has a different number on it. And when you play a card, um, you get to move that up to that many spaces, and then you get to do an action based on whatever the space you land. You might get to collect stars, and you're trying to collect stars, because whoever's the most of those when the game ends uh, is the one who wins. There's also story tiles that you can collect. Um, some of them have between two and five stars that they earn you. Other, the one star tiles um, are a little bit of a gamble because by themselves they're only one star a piece. But if you were able to combine, I think it's the little prince and is it a fox that's with him? I think. Yeah. Um, you actually get eight points instead for those tiles, um, which is quite a big bonus. But you have to collect one of each, and not all of the story tiles are exposed when you first start the game. Right. Um. But again, this one was really simple. We played it super fast. It's not one that uh, Emily and I would play by ourselves. I don't think again. Like we'll hang on to it because it'll make a good uh, game for our son um, as he's you know able to start to play board games. So that we can brainwash him into the board game. Right. (laughs) Um, And also, I don't think this is a good two player game. I think this is one where you want a little bit more competition for the different spaces. you know, you want there to be some incentive to jumping ahead on the track because it's one of the it's the Taki or not Takenoko, the Takedo style where the furthest player back is the one whose turn it is. Um, so that that aspect I think is kind of lost with only two players because you're well, not hopefully jockeying one too day hard. We'll have four players. Well, maybe we'll see. But uh, I mean, even three players I think would be better for this one. So that's the Little Prince. Um, unless you have younger kids, I really wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's a it's a great game probably if for them I would yeah. think. Um, next on our list we actually just played last night and that is Madam Ching. 
This one picked this up at uh, games and stuff on Black Friday mm, for ten bucks. Yeah. So I I heard this game before. I heard of this game before. I heard it was kind of blah, um, but it was ten bucks. I figured what what I had to lose. You know, it's at, at the very least, it's a nice production. Um, again, Bruno Cathala, um, along with Ludovic LeBlanc, um, designed this one. Again, two more designers whose games that we like, and uh, the art's also really solid too. This was uh, um, the art was done by Vincent Dutra. Who was um, who's done a lot of other games as well has a very distinct art style. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one where you are sailing um, a pirate ship through the seas, and the way you do it is you have these numbered cards uh, that range from one to fifty-five. Um, you have a hand of some of these, and on each turn you're going to put a card face down, um, and flip, and then all players reveal it, and they go in turn order based on the highest number that's played. Um, if the card that you lay down is a higher number than the one that you had previously laid down, then your journey continues onward. Um, you're either going to move across the board uh, laterally, which doesn't... If you, if you put down the same color. Yes. If you put down a different color, you move diagonally on the board. Yeah, and, and diagonally is generally better um, because you get to higher numbered spaces quicker mm-hmm. by doing it that way. Um, and then if you play a lowered numbered card, uh, you basically end the voyage that you're on. And then, now some of these cards also have little symbols up in the top in between the two numbers. Um, and the, well, one of the objects of the game is there's a five stacks of, I don't know, what would you call them? Like a favor card kind of thing. Like special skills. Right. So if in your journey, when you end it, if you have collected, you know, three like symbols, you will get one of those cards. And was it the first of four wins? Yeah, if you get the first player to get get all the four different skills triggers the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But the bigger thing that you want to do when you end your voyage is based on the number of space that you're on, you might be able to complete a mission. Um, And the mission cards are basically cards that give you some sort of reward. Um, usually victory points is mm-hmm. primarily what you're getting. Sometimes you also get these encounter cards, which are one shot cards that you can use that give you a special cool ability. Too. I mean, that that's where the most, a lot of the interaction in the game lies is in those encounter cards. And that's basically it though about the game. Now here's the thing. It seems it's as we've explained, it's very simple, you know, game. We played this last night. Uh, I have to say, it took a lot longer than I wanted it to. Yeah, for, because for the game itself, for the type of game that it is and everything, it took way longer than it should have, in my opinion. I don't disagree with you, and I think the reason why it felt long is because, like, the what I just described, like playing your cards, sailing, collecting the mission tiles, possibly acquiring a skill tile, which then gives you like a one-shot ability that you can use. That's literally the game. Um, there's really no other hook with it um it's just kind of doing that over and over again which does get very repetitive um considering how long the game takes uh the encounter cards i suppose are there for to add some flavor Mm -hmm. but the problem with those is a the abilities aren't that game changing and b you don't get a ton of them Mm -mm. throughout the game because you only get them by completing certain missions big stack for yeah, well, as, you, well, you only you get, get it by them. either completing certain missions or by sailing across the map. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't do a lot of diagonal moves, um, you the the you know the trade off is that you may get some encounter cards. Um, so not a lot here. Um, the two player game is also kind of strange because the two player game actually plays as both players playing two, two sides of a four player game. 
um, kind of working as a team. And I, actually, the four-player game, I believe, is a team game. It reminds me of the days when I used to play games by myself Yeah, as a child, and I would play four-player games and play all of the sides. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that there's not a ton of really using your ships in conjunction with each other. Like, you're still just trying to do the best thing that you can do for both ships, essentially. And that's pretty much it. So, um, Madam Ching, I'd have to say, is a pass. Kind of overstays its welcome. Very basic. Not a lot of replayability there, I don't think. No. Um, so, I, I would avoid this one. I had, had a bad taste in my mouth after that. I don't think yeah. I want to play again. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm happy that I only spent 10 bucks on it. Um, but I don't think it's one that we'll be seeing the table too much for us. Probably we'll be hitting the trade pile, I would think. Yeah. Shortly thereafter. So, yeah, Madam Ching, I would say stay away. Um, the last one. Is a game that I've been looking, looking forward, forward to. to You've for been looking long, forward to time. for a while here. And this is the new uh, Seven Wonders Duel um, from, of course, Antoine Bowser and Bruno Cathal. It's been a Bruno Cathal type of day, I guess. So. Guess we kind of like him, huh? I guess so. Or was it Bruno Fiduti that did this one? You might have to look that up while I'm, while I'm talking about the game. Okay. Um, Seven Wonders Duel is the two player version of Seven Wonders that, that's just been released. Um, we've talked about Seven Wonders a little bit on the show if you've listened to prior episodes and about how the two player variant in the game is not the greatest. Um, so they designed a brand new version that specifically works for two players. And this one we enjoyed a lot. Um, Captures the feel of Seven Wonders very well, uh, but makes it work very well um, for it just having Bruno two players. Cathalo. Okay, great. So I was right the first time. So uh, Seven Wonders Duel has two players um, competing over trying to build up their cities, just like you do in Seven Wonders. Uh, in this game, you do go through all three ages. Um, and you go through all the cards. Yep, you go through all the cards that are in there. Um, you're going to see each age has 23 cards. You throw out three at the beginning of the age, and then you see 20. And they 20. all have goofy setups. They do, yeah. Each like There's like these. There's like a pyramid set up it, for the yeah, first it's round. Like, it reminded me of Pyramid Solitaire. Mm-hmm. If you're playing Pyramid Solitaire as you uncover, or like Tri-Peak Solitaire, mm-hmm. um, as you uncover cards, then the ones that are flipped over underneath them reveal themselves and so forth and so forth. Right, so you don't know exactly. Yep. Like You, you see some well, of the rows, but not all of them. Some of them are face up, but some of them are face down. Yeah, and which also leads to some good decision making because when you're taking a card, you have to weigh, okay, do I really want this card knowing that my opponent will then get to see two cards that, you know, will be revealed if I take this or Yeah, you were killing me with that smalls. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So and I like this one too because the way the resource trading works in the game in the original Seven Wonders, you just pay two dollars to buy a resource from your neighbor. In this one, you have to play pay two dollars plus a dollar for every of that resource that the other city produces. So like if I have a monopoly on stone, it's going to make it really difficult for Emily to buy to buy stone because but there are it's going to make it really expensive. That because the yellow cards, the, you know, trading post cards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I got the stone card where I could buy stone for a buck. Yep. <laughs> so. And then um this one also has the the main way of winning is at the end of the game, you know, you total up all the victory points that you have and whoever has the most points wins. Um, but there's also ways to win during the game. Um, you can get a military victory. Uh, there's like a tug of war token in the middle of the, in, on this track that's on the board. Um, and every time you get a military card, you move the token towards your opponent um, a number of times that the military symbols appear on the card. It's like that one I didn't like. What was the um, flash duel? Okay. It was kind of like or, that. Or in guard, board. Yeah. kind of. Um, and if you ever push the token completely to your opponent's side of the board, 
you win it's instantly. It's an insta-win. Yeah. Right. So as the opponent, you have, you have to be cognizant of that and also, you know, watch out it's for... M. Bison card. Right. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> and then there's also, you get a science victory because the little science cards have, there's seven different symbols amongst those. And if you collect six of the symbols, then you can win the game instantly that way as well. Um, the other thing that science cards are used for is if you collect two of the same symbol, there's um, five technologies that are at the at the start of the game that are revealed that you can take one that usually give you like a really good special ability that you can use um, for the rest of the game or possibly victory points at the end. Um, at the beginning of the game, you also are dealt four or you, you draft actually four wonder cards um, and the wonders work just like they do in the regular seven wonders, except there's only one stage for each one. And when you build it, um, you get to use its ability straight away and one also kind of neat thing about this is that since it is seven wonders, there can only be seven wonders built in the game. Um, so whichever opponent gets to build their fourth wonder, um, they, the other city will only be able to build a maximum of three before the end of the game. So you do this, you go through the three ages, tally up the points on um, whoever's the most wins. Like I said, we I really like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of fun. Played really well, fast. See, we like Seven Wonders, but Brad refuses to play Seven Wonders with any less than three people, mm-hmm. which I get because the the two player thing where you're passing the one back and forth is a little hinky. Yeah, it's very hinky. Yeah, but this one, like I said, it felt really good. Um, played nice and fast. Um, I think we beat like the first game that we played. We we finished within thirty minutes. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're familiar with Seven Wonders, like you can almost jump right in. There's a few minor rule changes that you'd have to get accustomed to but for the most part it plays almost identically even to the point where you have cards that if you build them they'll let you build other cards for for free basically later on that'll show up in the different ages that's parts fun as well um it's cool and i like how it forces you to you can't completely ignore military and science because you can't let your opponent have that have that instant win Mm -hmm. so you can't just you can't fully specialize in you know, you know, blue and yellow, for example, you have to kind of diversify at least a little bit, which is cool and 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 adds to the variability there. Um, yeah, this Seven Wonders Duel's great. Um, it's going to be a, a game that I think we play often. Mm-hmm. Um, find its way to the table a lot. Great filler game for us because, like I said, we can knock it out in less than a half an hour. Um, the only thing that I that annoys me is the setup for the cards is very intricate and takes a long <laughs> a long time to deal those out every round, but. That's a minor niggle. Like I said, the game the game's really fun, and if you play two players, highly recommend it. Um, and if you exclusively play two players, you can just have this and not even need to worry about having regular seven wonders. Yeah. What the hell is a niggle? A niggle is like a like a minor annoyance that you have with the game. I've never heard really? that word used okay. before. Yeah. I've heard many other words used for a slight annoyance, but not that one. Okay. Well, it's a word. So, but yeah, seven wonders. I think duel. you're making stuff up. Nope, I'm not. You can look it up. Seven wonders duel. Um, solid game. Definitely check it out, especially uh, if you play two players a lot, because it's a game made for two. And that's what we do for now until Xander gets older. <laughs> yep. So that's what we've been playing this month. Like I said, pretty lengthy list of new this stuff. Month. Uh, well, over the past couple of weeks, rather. So uh, when we come back, we will be talking about our Get It to the Table segment for November and see how we did. All right. So last month's Get It to the Table um, was a miserable failure for us. I think, what did we do? 25% or 50% last month? 
success rate? I don't remember. It wasn't good. I know that. So we were determined this month to do much better. Um, I'm happy to say that we got four out of our five games um, that we... Only because somebody never wanted to play the fifth game. Oh, well. We'll get to play it at some point. So there's a new expansion coming out for Tash Clara as well. Tash Clara is the only one that we missed. Um, the ones that we did nail down, um, we got Agents of Smirsh, we got Lahav, uh, we got Takenoko Chibis. And we got the fastest game of Scoville that I think we've ever played. Oh my played. god, it was like lightning fast. <laughs> because somebody was not able to buy very many recipes, and that would be you, unfortunately. Laying the wood out. Like, I don't even think we counted scores at the end of the game. Because <laughs> you knew. It just, it was bad. Like, I couldn't get anything going. I don't know what it was. You just, you know. Pro, pro tip for all you Scoville players out there, that auction track is way more important than... You might think it is, so don't don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. So, so we got four out of five. So we did pretty good. So this month um, is going to be eighty percent. It's pretty good. It's a B. It's a B. It's a B. It's four out of five stars. Good. Um, this month's going to be tough though because um, I work in retail. Um, so of course the December time is the uh, you know crunch time for us. Um, so it might be very difficult to get all four games played that we want to. Um, in December, but we're going to give it a go. Um, I'll let Emily give me one of hers first. Puzzle Strike. Interesting. How come? Because uh, we haven't played it in forever. It's fair. It's, that's, that's a game that I do. It's That's one that's a victim of us having a lot of games. It's a game that probably rewards you for multiple plays just because you have all the different characters and mm-hmm. combination of chips. And unfortunately, it's not one that gets played nearly as often um, as we probably might like it. So cool, yeah, Puzzle Strike will definitely be a solid one then. Um, my first one, I actually meant to do this on last month's, and then I subbed in Lahav instead. Um, but I, I'm going to do it this month, and that is Merchants and Marauders, which we haven't played in a little while, which I'm determined to beat you in. You want to get your butt beat again? I will win this game at some point against you. At some you. point? <laughs> yes. For whatever reason, I'm like a Merchant and Marauders savant or something. I don't know. Every time we played, I'm like, he goes, oh, well, you know, you can stash away money and this, that, and the other. And he's like, he said, and each, was it each $10 or something is, mm, it's is, like, a, it's a, is a prestige big, point. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, look, and he goes, I was like, I remember the first game we played, I opened my, I like looked under my little treasure chest and I was like, I have five points on the board. I have 50. Co-. I said, I think I win. <laughs> and he's like, you do not. He's, Damn it. You did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my problem with Merchant Marauders is I tend to lose captains more frequently than I probably should. You don't stash like you should either, well, I don't think. because I try to do too much, and then I end up dying, and I lose all my cargo and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Merchant Marauders is fun. Um, something I'd like to play with more players, but it's we still have a good time with two players. We could play that with Kevin and Corey, probably. Probably could. Probably could. Yep. All right, so that's, that's one of mine. What's your second one? Kanban. Oh, good. I've been wanting to play Kanban. I was kind of hoping you weren't going to say it on your list because then I was going to have to come up with something else. <laughs> no, we would just have three games if that was the case. So I'm, so, I'm actually surprised there isn't any overlap because mine will probably make you chuckle. But yeah, Kanban's cool, and we need to play it again because I think we're going to be doing a Vitalicerda episode at some point here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to play through his games again to so they're fresh in our minds for that. Yeah, Kanban I like a lot. That's probably my favorite one of his, I'd say. I do like Kanban. Yeah. Do you like that or the Galleries better? Mm. Oh, 
are both good, though. Mm-hmm. So, yes, They're I will look forward good. to that one. Um, my fourth pick, because uh, currently the Kickstarter is going on for Arcadia Quest Inferno. Um, it's hitting all the stretch goals as the cool mini games do, and we're you know we're going to pledge to it and get a we ridiculous did amount of to it. yeah. Well, we're probably going to be increasing our pledge to get a we lot of the add-ons. Pledge allegiance to the cool mini or not? Yeah, and probably getting a ton of, of plastic and plastic geeks. and cardboard and stuff. Um, so I'd like to start a new Arcadia Quest campaign. Um, we've done it once. Um, I'm excited to play it again. I love Arcadia Quest because it's that kind of like skirmish dungeon crawl game that we like. Um, but it plays much faster, um, doesn't require nearly as much lengthy setup as something like Descent or Imperial Assault did. And, and the, it's fun because you can just go around, you can beat each other up, you could beat up the enemies, um, you get and all I sorts of crazy all abilities. The miniatures. God, they're adorable. I love all the insane weapons and armor that you can get that mm-hmm. just give you like ridiculous combinations with your characters. Gotta go with my main man green sleeves again. We'll see. I love him. We'll see. But yeah, that, that was Arcadia Quest is great um, and looking forward to starting another campaign with that. So hopefully we can... Uh, this, these are some lofty goals for yeah, December some of them are lengthier in retail games. month. Come on. Kanban and uh, and Merchants and Marauders are both pretty pretty long games so we'll have to see how well we can do there. But hopefully good. Um, we'll see. And plus, we're still. I still want to work on, you know, knocking out more Pandemic Legacy. And yeah, I kind of been wanting to play that again. Yeah, and, and need to play some new games too because we still have a lot of new games Dude, to work we've through. We've been tearing through some new games. Yeah, we still have a lot more to go. So plus, we're gonna be getting uh, more look, for Christmas. I'm gonna check the list right now while you keep yakety yakking. Well, I'm not gonna be yakking anymore. That's really all I had to say. Uh huh. So. All right, well, that's uh, that's good to the table for December. Um, we'll see how well we do. Uh, when we come back, though, we're going to be doing a full review of La Havre, so stay tuned for that. to get into one of Brad's favorite favorite games, La Havre. Well, you don't like it too? Oh, I do like it, but okay. I'm not the one, I'm not the fanboy that has like two t-shirts dedicated to La Havre. It's true. <laughs> well, so a little fun backstory with this one. So when we um when we started looking into heavier games, obviously um, Uwe Rosenberg was somebody that came up because he's designed a ton of heavier games. Um, but Agricola Everything never... Everything we tried we didn't like. <laughs> right. Well, Agricola never really interests us, but we did get Agricola All Creatures Big and Small, which kind of fell flat for us. Didn't yeah. care for it. I liked the little animeples, mm-hmm. but that was about it. Uh, we got Glass Road, which after one play, neither of us cared no. for very much. Um, we had Bonanza, but we never played it. Um, and I, from my understanding, it's not that great with two players anyway, but we never had the inclination to get to the table. So, and here I'm thinking, okay, I guess Uwe Rosenberg just isn't for me. Um, so we stumbled upon Patchwork. Uh, Patchwork is unlike any game that he's ever done. Patchwork is awesome. Yep. It's I a, love that game. It's an excellent game, and that one's a two-player specific game. It's like Tetris the board game. Mm-hmm. So, except you have to buy your pieces instead of... Uh... Yeah, but it's like Tetris the board game, and you know my love for Tetris. Goes back to long ways, long, long ways. My, me and Tetris and our love affair. Yeah, but uh, but I, but that kind of rekindled the fire to to try to find a Rosenberg game that we liked. Um, so I scoured the internet looking for what people thought was the consensus. Went far and wide. Yeah, best two player Rosenberg game, and a lot of people settled on Lahav. So I took a chance, um, got got a copy of Lahav, and 
introduced it to Emily, and after that first game, we were completely hooked, um, completely absorbed into it, and really enjoyed it. Um, and it's uh, you know we we like it quite a bit. So uh, we're gonna I'll break down the gameplay for you guys a little bit, and then we'll kind of get into our thoughts on the game as a whole. Now, the cool thing about Lahav is that it's actually when you break it down mechanically, it's a really simple game. Um, this is sort of a resource management game mm-hmm. uh, from from Uwe Rosenberg. Um, essentially, what you do on your turn is each player has a ship, and they have a worker. And on your turn, you're going to move your ship to the next sequential space on the board. There's seven spaces on the board. And the resources on that space pop out into their respective spots. Right. So there's there's offers for all of the different basic resources. So off the top of my head, you have money, you have fish, you have grain, you have cattle, you have coal, clay, um, uh, hides and and um, there's there's a couple other ones as well, but there's there's a bunch of basic resources, and then on your turn, um, you have two choices. You can iron. either iron is one you of them as well, iron. right? Um, on your Forget turn, you have two two choices. Um, you can either take choose one of those offer spaces and take all of the resources that are on that space. So if you want to get fish, you get all the fish, mm-hmm. and it clears that space completely. Or you can take your worker um, and move him to a building. On, and perform the action on that building. So the different buildings that there are in the game, um, it starts out. There are three construction buildings uh, that are on that are owned by the city, basically. And you move your worker into them when you want to construct buildings. The way you do that is there's three stacks of buildings that are being offered at any given time. Um, and if you have the requisite resources that you need to build that building. Uh, you can pay those resources. You get to add that building to your tableau. Uh, the benefit to it is that it's worth victory points at the end of the game. And each building comes with a special ability that you that you can use as well. Now, the trick is, though, is that your opponent can also use your buildings, too. Um, the key is to find buildings that they also will find useful. Um, and hopefully they'll use it because many of the buildings have sort of an entry fee that your opponent would have to pay to you um, mm-hmm. whenever they use it. So, like Emily likes and to money's kind of tight in this game. Money's very tight, and it's also your it's also your victory points yes. as well. So you have to really be cognizant of that. Um, also, on your turn, you can purchase buildings that are either able to be built, or you can purchase them from the town. Um, which costs money, and you get that money back at the end of the game, essentially, because you're going to get the victory points equal to the amount that the building costs. But usually purchasing buildings is not necessarily the best way to go about acquiring them. And on your turn, you can also sell buildings that you own. Um, Again, something that you don't want to do unless it's really needed because you only get half the value of the building uh, when you sell it back. I don't think we've ever had to do that. Um, it, it, I can see where you would have to. Um, I don't Instead know how well we're playing either. Yeah. So basically, you go through. Um, each player is going to alternate turns as you go. There's seven turns in each round. So obviously, each round one player is going to have more more turns than the other one will. Um, at the end of the round, uh, there could be a harvest. So if you have grain or cattle. You have um, to have two cattle, right. and you get an extra cattle, and if you have one grain, you'll get another grain. Yeah, so you might be able to grow your resources that way, um, and then you also have to pay food. So, of course, it's a Rosenberg game. You have to be able to feed your people at the end of the game, um, and you pay food that you have. Uh, you might have fish. You might have meat if you've slaughtered your cattle. Um, you might have bread if you've made your grain. It, and it or, goes sorry, up you might, every you turn. Grain. Right, and it's going to be exponentially increasing. Um, you can also pay money instead of food. 
Um, but you want to make sure that you do completely pay your costs at the end of the round, because if not, then you have to take a loan. Um, and a loan gets you $4 straight away, uh, but it costs you a dollar in interest every time one player ship hits the interest space on the board. Um, you also It also costs $5 to pay the loan back, and if you still have a loan when the game ends, uh, they're worth negative $7 or victory points apiece, so you definitely want to get rid of those as fast as you can. And then at the end of each round, um, there also a new ship uh, comes into play, and the ships can be built or purchased, and the reason why they're good is because each ship that you own automatically pays for some of your food costs at the end of the round. So if you can build a decent fleet of ships, uh, then you could theoretically not have to worry about acquiring food uh, through the game if you can get enough of them going. Um, ships are also used later in the game. There's a shipping line building that will pop out that you can actually ship your unwanted goods for money uh, closer to the end of the game. Yeah, I cashed in on that last time. Yeah, it's very useful for that as well. Um, and then the round resets. The start order you know, rotates to the next player. And you just go from there. So it's it really is that simple. Um, mechanically, but where the complication comes in is, of course, all the decisions that you have to make. Because not only do you have to figure out what do I want to do this turn, you have to kind of figure out what am I going to do several turns down the road and what do I have to do to set up for that. Um, you also have to be mindful of your opponent because each building can only be occupied by one player at a time. So if your opponent moves into a building that you want to get to, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be mm-hmm. stuck until they this move out of it. This guy over here is a building hog. I am. Said so I do bounce around to a lot of the buildings. So there's a lot to think about. Um, the other thing that I love about the game is that each game there also are six special buildings that are randomly chosen before the game starts. And the special buildings are buildings that just have usually much better, not better, but much different abilities than you'll find on the standard buildings that come out every game. Um, and you never know what you're going to get with those. So you can't game plan around them from the get-go. Um, there are cards, the Marketplace card specifically lets you kind of look at the buildings in the deck uh, to see what's going to be coming out soon. So you can kind of plan around that as well. But that's where, between that and also the um, the way that the standard buildings are distributed randomly in their piles at the beginning of the game uh, is where the variability comes in and makes it so that there's not a like broken strategy that I can see that can win you the game automatically. So from like I said, from a mechanic standpoint, it's very simple and easy to learn how to play Lahav, but it's a very difficult game to play well because you can be easily overwhelmed by the sheer number of choices that you have, especially later in the game when oh, yeah. a lot more of the buildings are available. Well, that and later in the game, you're able. To, well, I mean, you're able to acquire ships, you know, from the get go. But like, they get better as you go along mm-hmm. in the game because you have this stack of cards that tells you how many food and if there's a harvest every turn. And when that turns over, you turn that flip that card over on the back side of that card is a ship, and there's wood ships, steel ships. Iron ships, mm-hmm. and then there's, there's the luxury, luxury ships, yeah. yeah, which are just worth points toward yeah, the end of the game. Pretty much. Um, and this one's a cool too because, points. yeah, they have a. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> they have a uh, like the round cards that are in the game um, tell you exactly what's going to look like for the 
game as far as food costs go, as far as when the town decides to build one of the buildings oh, for themselves. That's the other thing with the ships. If you buy the ships, the ships I'm, are worth food. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to you. So, uh, but yeah, Forgive so, me. I have a cold. It's all up in my head, and I'm a little spacey. Yeah. So, so, but like I said, you know how the rounds are going to go from the very get go. You know how you'll need to manage your food resources, and that's that's one of the main aspects of the game is balancing. All right, I need enough food to you know make sure that I don't starve at the end of the but round. But I want to do all this. Other yeah, stuff. I want to do all yeah. these other actions. So it's it's kind of maximizing your food gain. You know, sometimes it's it might be worth it to spend an entire round just kind of stockpiling food mm-hmm. uh, so you don't have to maybe worry about it for the next round or two after that so that you can do more That's building smoke actions. smokehouse for the fish. That is like my bread and butter. It's a good early game building. Fish fish become much less important as the game yeah. as the game moves on for so sure. So you can get the slaughterhouse. Yeah. So, but it's, um, like I said, Lahav is a very, very cool game um, in the terms of, you know, just a lot of variability and a lot of... Uh, a lot of different ways the game can go as time goes along. So that's that's the basic breakdown of the game. So let's start with the shortest part of this discussion, probably. Um, and that is, what do you not like so much about Lahav? Um, I don't like the lack of interaction. Oh, really? I feel like there's not a ton of interaction. I feel like you can just kind of go about your business and do what you want to do. I I don't feel like there's, you, you know what I mean. I actually a hundred percent disagree with you really? on that point. I do because well the the two ways. That, so you're not like hurting one another in the game. Like there's no way to screw with your. Well, I mean there's a way to screw with your opponent, but there is interaction. I think in the fact that a you can potentially occupy a building that your opponent wants, and you usually would never you never yeah, do it at spite. How often does that happen? That doesn't happen that often. I don't know. It seems it seems like every time we've played, you've always been the one to build the marketplace, but I've always been the one to use the marketplace the most throughout the game. And every time I want to get in there, you're right there. Yeah. So I th- I think, but and I don't well, and I don't think. To be clear, like in Lahav, like when you use a building that your opponent might want to use, you're never usually doing it out of spite. Like it's not like I'm going to sacrifice because actions are so valuable in this game. Right. I'm not going to sacrifice an action just so that you can't use it because that's that doesn't do me any good. Um, but I think, and the other way I think you can interact a lot is with the offer spaces. Like if so, if you're like, all right, if I can just hold out two more turns and let the let that wood pile build up so that I can take all this wood. And then you swoop it and grab it right before I'm able to do it. Like, that's really frustrating as well. And it kind of forces you to take your original plans and just toss them out the window and have to rework I don't know. I a guess new strategy I just on don't, the fly. I guess I say that because I just don't get as frustrated with this one as I do with, like, other games that we play together. Well, like I said, it's def- I, it's definitely does not have, like, a take that thing. But you, I still think you can step on each other's toes. I just frequently. don't feel like you step on my toes that much in this game. Well, and I, I think part of that's because with with the two players, you're only having to fight, fight for space with one other person. I think if you introduce more people in the mix, it right. might get and more difficult. Right, and that's what I said. I don't, it's not as crunchy as, as I might like it to be. Okay. Um, one thing that I don't like about the game is that it can be very um, AP-inducing. Um, fortunately, mm-hmm. you and I don't succumb to that all that frequently. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, when it's not, it's one of those games that when it's not your turn, 
you literally have nothing to do except to wait for your opponent to take their turn. Now, in a two-player game, that's not that big of a deal um, because it's only one other player that you're waiting to go. But, like, if you, let's say you plan on doing something and then your opponent does a move the previous turn that completely scraps that plan, like, you might just sit there for a minute to be like, all right, well, now what's the best course of action? Like, you don't, you're not often thinking of a plan B. You're just thinking about, all right, optimal plan A. And then when that gets blown up, you're like, all right, well, what's, What's plan 1A supposed to be now? And you have to sit there and ponder it, um, which, like I said, that can drag the game down a little bit. Fortunately, like I said, with two players, not as big of a concern. I can't imagine playing at the full five-player count with this one, though. Oh, my God. It would take, like, nine years yeah, to play a game. because it would be kind of ridiculous with I that I mean, one. as it is, it takes us, what, like, just under two hours to play one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine with five people. So what do you, what do you, is there anything else you, that you don't care for with yeah. the game? No. Okay. I the, the only other minor gripe that I might have with this is is a little bit it's a little fiddly with all the little cardboard chits with the resources and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what you do about that though. I think it is what it is. That being said, I there's there's parts that well, we'll get to what we like in a second and I'll and I'll talk about that. So then what what do you really like about love? Um like I said, I mean this is one I'll probably say with a lot of games, but there isn't one clear path to victory, which mm-hmm. that's like a big thing. That's a big sticking point with me. I don't like those ones where it's like, okay, I know this is the best course of action, so if I can just get this rolling, I'll be good. No, I like the fact that I know that I'll never know till the very end if I'm going if I win or if I lose. You know what I mean? Mm. I think I just squeaked that last game out too, didn't I? Uh, you know, you won by a fair margin. I thought I squeaked. I don't it out. think you blew me out, but I think that it it. You were you comfortably won, I think, for sure. Hmm. Um, the thing that I one of the things that I really like about Lahav is how how tight the game is. Like your resources are usually very tight. Money is very often incredibly tight, except for you. Last game had all the money that you needed. Apparently, had all the money bucks. as you went along. Um, but I, I appreciate how it kind of. Yeah, it, it's very difficult to stockpile. Towards the end of the game, you can start stockpiling resources, but they're usually ones that you don't need that badly anyway. And then by that point, it's like, why am I stockpiling? Yeah. Because you've done most of what you need to do. Yeah, but I, but I do also appreciate the like the multiple paths to winning. Um, I like all the different little buildings. Like there's, it, there's, It's so diverse with mm-hmm. the things that you can do. Like you have the one like... Like the one card I like the uh I call it the slaughterhouse I can't remember what it's called uh, the abattoir I think the abattoir that's what yeah. it was so yeah you you tell take your cattle there and you get meat and you get the hides and the hides you might be able to turn into leather later in the game which is kind of cool yeah the buildings are very thematic I think they uh they work well considering what they're most of them what they're trying to do yeah. um that part works pretty cool um I also just like the the built-in variability that the game has as well. Like I said, the there's the special buildings, excuse me, there's thir- I think there's 36 in the base game and then in the base game box when you buy it now there's a mini expansion um that adds another 36 special buildings as well. And you pick 6 of them before the game starts. Good god. I so you're never that many. Yeah, so you're never going to have the same the same, you know, grouping of special buildings in any game that you play. Um, plus, you don't even get to see all the special buildings every game because I think only four of them end up popping out. Now, the reason that you you deal six is because there are cards that let you manipulate 
the order that mm-hmm. they come out in. Um, so like you might be able to dig a little bit deeper in the deck if there's a particular building that you keep shoving to the bottom all the time. Um, but yeah, those are great because like I said, those are the wild cards that kind of pop out that you don't really know are coming. Um, that might force you to change up your strategy on the fly. And look, some of the special buildings are crap. Like some of them are completely useless and, and you wouldn't give a second look throughout the game, but some of them are also really good and are, you know, fought over when they hit the table. So that part's really cool as well. What else do you have that you, uh, that you enjoy? Um, I think. While you think I can name something else, um, this is one of the, I, I'm a sucker for good graphic design. I really like when games um, make everything work really well together. Lahav has some of the best graphic design that I've seen in a game. Um, the icons are very clear. Uh, the building cards, um, you can usually look at them and understand immediately what the building does um, because, again, the way the iconography is is very clear. I love the fact that once you've read through the rule book for the rules of the game, you never really have to refer to it because the the setup for the game is on the board itself. Like it literally tells you where the starting resources go. It tells you how to set up the card decks, what to give each player. And then the round cards that show you how much food that you need to give at the end of the round and whether there's going to be a harvest or not, those actually flip over and become the ship cards yeah. that you acquire during the game. And then when you flip the last ship card over, the rules that are on the space say, okay, now here's what you do for the final round of the game, basically. So it, it all works really well together. Um, I also printed out a couple of really handy See, player aids. See, that's what I like. The little, yeah. the little player aids that he he sent them to me so I could print them out. And, we lam- and, and of course, you know, we la- started laminating so much stuff, I stopped doing it at work, and we just bought a laminator. Mm-hmm. Um, but these little player aids, they are so super helpful. And I, I love that. I think that's one of the things I like the most about it. And that's it. not even part it of the main game. It's not part of the game. Yeah. But, um, you can find it on BGG. So whoever made that, props to you, because I love that player aid. <laughs> and, I know, and I also know that that specific one, and I, I can't remember the person who did it on BGG or what it's titled in the file section, but they made one for each player count as well. So even if you don't just play it two players, you can get one made for... Whenever you know the different various oh, nice. player accounts that nice. that is done, so that's very cool. So I'll be at the game is just really smartly laid out. Um, like I said, I'm a sucker for for great graphic design, and Lahav definitely does that really well. I don't. And here's another don't the, the mm. cardboard pieces. I just oh, you wish there was something to yeah. I think I what she's talking about is the board is made up of three different t- large tiles, basically that you just move next to each other but they're not mounted you don't clip them together in any way shape or form and we're constantly knocking things around because we're you know uh, we're klutzes yes i mean i'm sure that was done to save save money so you don't have to do like a mounted board yeah i get that but uh, it'd be nice yes it'd be nice to have Well, maybe if we had a grip mat that wasn't falling apart well that too that would help that too um anything else that you really liked about love Dead air. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it's that's... Just, it's just, I don't know, it's just a really good game. I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy the gameplay, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially for being as heavy as it is, I, you know what I mean? Because yeah, usually yeah. I get, like, a, a major brain suck, but after I play that, it 
I don't feel like I'm like worn out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not one of those ones that lingers with you because there's not very rarely is there like a key decision point in that game where if you have done something different in this one spot, it would you're not going to keep yourself up at night saying, "Well, damn, if I had just done this, I'd have been okay." Yeah. So it's it's so that yeah. So I think we've talked about uh, talked about those really thoroughly. So what or what does or doesn't make Lahav a very good two player game? Um. Well, I mean, like you said, the tightness of the game that helps a lot with making mm-hmm. it good for two players. It really does. Yeah. Because. Then there's that limited resources that, you know, it's kind of like, uh, what was it? What's the one? Uh, Christ, why can't I remember it? <laughs> Eminent Domain. There you go. Yes, that's the one I was trying to think of, where everything's very tight and it's, you know, mm-hmm. and if you run out of resources, you're SOL. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like it because the game length, it, like for a heavy game with two people, the game length's very reasonable. Because like I said, Emily, like Emily said, it takes us between 90 minutes and 120 minutes to play this one. Um, I enjoy the fact that there's not as much downtime in the two-player game. Like I said, I, playing this with four or five, I've heard, is completely untenable um, because I of just, just the, the length of yeah, time in between. I can't deal with too much downtime. It, yeah. ki- it kills my flow. It so, does. So I, so I appreciate the fact that it moves pretty briskly. Um and I well, and as usual, for me, the mark of a great two-player game is one that gives you the same experience as you get at the higher player counts. It doesn't feel like you're getting a gimped experience. And the fact that... We'll see, and this one doesn't have any fiddly two-player variables either, well, th- that's, which is nice. I think that's one of the greatest things about it is that the game is specifically designed at each of the different player counts. Like, when you're playing a two-player game... There are buildings that are in the three and four player game, that were in the five player game that you don't use. Right, and, and there's and that's great because, like I said, I hate like yes, it's nice that a lot of games have a two player variant, but mm-hmm. I hate that word variant because it usually makes it suffer in the yeah. long run. No, and, and like like the food costs are different for the two player game than they are for the three. And you can play this game upper. solo. Too, you can correct? play it solo as well, right? Yeah. And um, and there's even a short version. For at each player count that's in the box, um, we haven't tried it because I like I feel like the regular version is a decent enough length that I've never wanted to play the short version, but it's there. Like like there's a 45 minute version that you can play that again is a specifically designed huh. experience around that we might try it at one point just to see interesting if it's if it's worth anything. Um, okay. but yeah, like the fact that they designed the game like they designed it specifically at one player, at two player, at three players, four and five is great because you don't feel like you're just getting all right. Well, we made you don't this feel game like at you're four. missing out on this. Yeah, anything. it's like all right. Well, we made this game at four, but you can like it's it's best with four, but you can also play it with two. Like I always feel like it's, those always it's come up short. Very well scaled and yeah, yeah, for sure, very much so. So uh, so who would we who would you recommend this game to? Mm, well, it'd have to be our our board gamer friends, not not our casual gamer friends. Yeah, this is not a um, not a novice game by any no. means. I think I think you have to have some experience with like medium weight games before mm-hmm. you before you attempt this. Because, like I said, just the sheer number of decisions that can be made. Uh, if we if we put this in front of a couple of our our casual gamer friends, they would look take one look at that board and be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be a little can be a little so. crippling. 
Um, so you definitely want to want to share this one with your with your more experienced uh, gamers. Um, definitely not something I would bring in front of a newbie. No, by any means. And yeah. also, stay like I said, stay away from people that have AP with this one too, because that could be that could oh, ruin your yeah. night. I think. Yeah, definitely for sure. Yep. So, like I said, obviously, if you couldn't tell, we like Lahav uh, very much. Like I said, fanboy over here has a has a big house and a smokehouse t-shirt that we got from cardboard clothing on their Kickstarter. It is not my fault that it just so happens that two of the coolest designs that they had both happened to be Lahav themed. Um, my Meeple Love shirt is awesome. It is, but uh, as is my uh, Takenoko Bamboo Express shirt. Yep, yeah, and but yeah, Lahav is great. Um, and especially if you play two players a lot um and you want like a really solid medium heavy slash heavyish weight game um this should definitely be one that you look at picking up now didn't we just get the two player yeah there there's a two there's a specific two player game called Lahav the inland port which is sort of the agricola all creatures big and small version of Lahav but it seemed but just we haven't played it yet but from reading the rules it actually seems like it plays very differently Mm-hmm. than regular Lahav does. So I'm actually looking forward to that being um, a somewhat different experience mm-hmm. than Lahav gives us. And also one that we can play in a half an hour. Like I can't imagine that, that, that one's going to take yeah take too long. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, regular Lahav, uh, I, I, I play this game or I ask Emily to play this game whenever we have the ability to do so because it's it's just one that I enjoy really very much and and. Yeah. He's been bugging me for about. weeks. He's like, can we play Lahav? Can we play Lahav? And I think we've played it twice in the past, like, three weeks. I don't think that's true at all. Yeah. I think we've only played the one time. No. <laughs> so, but, that is, uh, but that's it for the show today. So thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, just a reminder, again, that you can uh, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Tabletop for Two. And also remember that we are part of the Nerdpocalypse Studios network of shows. Uh, make sure you check out all the other great podcasts on the network, including the flagship show, The Nerdpocalypse. Uh, Dense Pixels, Black on Black Cinema, Mouthful of Toast. You can also check out our premium channel, which only costs $5 a month or $50 for a year. You get weekly episodes of the airing of grievances uh, and look forward. Um, You get monthly episodes of No Time to Bleed. And also starting in January, monthly episodes of The Men with the Golden Tongues, the James, our James Bond long form movie review podcast. I am so very proud of that. Thank yep. you very much. This man always teases me because I'm the queen of corny. And he told me, he says, we're doing this James Bond thing. He says, I got I need your, your corniness. And I came up with that title and he sent it to his buddy Micah. And Micah's like, I love it. I yep. was like, yes. Yep, you came through. So like I said, if you are if you are a premium subscriber, sir, first, thank you. Um, and second, look for uh, Dr. No uh, to show up in your premium feed in early January yep. sometime. Because that's when that will happen. Um, but that's it for us. So, again, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks when I'm probably going to be ridiculously wanting exhausted. Turn, wanting to tear his hair out. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll have gotten to play some games. I In the so. meantime. Yeah. Um, but until then, see ya. Bye.